Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to another edition of the Tuesday show of The Drive Time. Um, we are going to discuss about a very interesting two topics. Um, the first one, uh, as for those who are familiar to our show, we split our two hours in two different topics. Uh, in the first hour, we will be discussing about exercise, why it is necessary, um, what are the benefits of exercise and how um, we can imply exercise or what are the uh, importance of exercise. So very interesting topic and something that should be a part of our life and why it should be a part of our life. That is something that we will be discussing. Um, In the next hour, we will be discussing on the topic of empathy. Uh, what is empathy and why the world needs us uh, needs empathy um, myself Zakaria and I have joined with Imam Nasherwan assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and uh, Nasherwan how are you brother wa alaikum salam jazakallah brother Zakaria uh, I think exercise is a topic um, both of us can relate to yes definitely um, and I think uh, growing up and we're studying in the same seminar and in yeah. the same class for several years, I think it was an important part of both of our lives. It uh, was, it was, definitely. I remember we used to exercise together. Um, and uh, I think we, as you know, we had a group and we used to go regularly for runs. I remember those times. It was so, uh, so good, you know. It was energizing and, and, and it, it helped energizing, us yeah. uh, study better as well. Study better uh, as well. I focus, think we can focus while, much better when we well, yeah. uh, talk and um, uh, when the show develops, I mm-hmm. think we can uh, uh, talk to our uh, um, listeners mm-hmm. and maybe talk, tell us about our experiences as well. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, uh, if any of you want to get involved, then you can uh, contact us at 020-86-877-878 or you can also visit our website voiceofislam.co.uk um, and we are also active on the social media. You can tweet us at voiceofislam.uk. So like Brother Nashuan said, you know, you can always get involved by calling us and uh, giving tips that you might think that we... Uh, might have missed out or something that you have experienced so you're all welcome to join in um what is exercise and you know what is it can you please introduce us to um the today's show so most of the time people often take the approach of um you know being out of sight and Mm -hmm. out of mind when it comes to the body yep you know uh, they don't look after their body as much as they should Mm -hmm. So exercise and movement are essential methods that can supplement preventive care when it comes to taking care of our body. Right. You know, like, so we do things that help our spirituality, Mm -hmm. praying um, and doing uh, all sorts of uh, these uh, methods to um, evolve our spirituality, to uh, enhance our spirituality. Mm -hmm. Similar is what our body requires. Our body requires exercise and you know movement so we can actually make our bodies physical and make it uh, healthy Uh, that also depends on uh, the way we eat Mm -hmm. that's one way of um, enhancing our our physical um, bodies and then also exercise is also one of the main parts of um, development so following the example of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him 
who has who was no who has narrated to engaged in um races with his wife Hazrat Aisha radiyallahu anha may Allah be pleased with her and all he also won a wrestling challenge with a Meccan wrestler he rode horses camels and many more so we take uh, the example of the holy prophet yep. may Allah be uh, may Allah be pleased with him may Allah send his blessings upon him amen and he used to um actively take part in physical exercises and um i've just mentioned a few mm-hmm. so just going into the research um aspect yeah. of exercise i think it's under, <coughs> important to understand yeah. um how important it is mm-hmm. uh, children how much actively they're taking part in sports yeah. you know when you're young you're really active in mm. school at home you have that energy so utilizing that energy in a in a method which is um useful for your for yourself mm-hmm. is very important yep so you know research has uh, research has shown that on average children get more than an hour of low intensity physical activity yep and about 30 minutes of higher intensity activity daily mm-hmm. so putting that together is about um uh, an hour and 30 minutes yep this is much more than the total minutes of exercises recommended for adults Right. So on the other hand, less than 25% of adults meet the desired 150 minutes of moderate exercises each week. Mm-hmm. So you know it's shown that the studied research shown that st- children get more exercise um, right. than the the adults and yeah. uh, what they need. That's probably because uh, children they go regularly to the school and then when you're when the infants let's say that they're always walking around, running around and when they go to school they they'll they'll be doing they'll be involved in so many activities that adults then don't do unless you have a, a physical work that you have to do mm. uh but you know see that a lot of the people we sit in our offices i can relate my, to myself as well as in most of the time i am in my office or my place uh, on the desk working but um you know therefore it's it's obvious that you know um adults they exercise much or you know exercise or move around much much lesser than than children yeah, yeah it's because yeah it's because i think um, the adult lifestyle is uh, completely different to completely children different, yeah um that in, involves around family time mm-hmm. jobs um depends on whichever job sector uh, you work in yeah. uh, some job tech uh, uh, sectors they do not like for us for example i also sit in an office mm-hmm. for majority of the day and mm-hmm. just working in front of a screen yeah um but you know what uh, what is important is the discipline in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, you can be working you can have a family you can have kids uh, if you have the discipline I think you can work around your schedule and yeah. actually fit the time to exercise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember we were discussing in you know back in uh, back a few years ago and uh, um th- I think there is uh, if if you look at the lifestyle of the most busiest people, let's say, right? Um you'll see that a lot of the people who are extremely busy, they have a certain time when they exercise or they meditate or they you know do something that uh, you know gives them a uh, you know helps them for, with with a uh, physical you know it gives you a physical benefit right um for example when you look at the rock right um 
You know, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson, yeah, the great Johnson, right? They uh, he apparently wakes up at four o'clock in the morning. He sleeps for six hours, I believe. Sleeps every day on time. Has a very very. So you look at his physique as well, how energetic he is as well. I mean, you can you can also see that how he's extremely busy, but also um, he includes. You know, he wakes up early, and the first thing he would do is, um, you know, go and do some exercise apart from other work but the one of the most the first things is exercise and i remember uh because our role model is the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him and he said i don't remember the word exactly but he said that <clears throat> i believe he said my ummah is the ummah that is um you know that works in the morning or that the 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 ummah or my followers are those who wake up early in the morning right and if you look at the uh, life of the holy prophet peace and blessings be upon him and also the promised messiah hazrat mirza ghulam ahmed peace be upon him you know you'll see that they would wake up early um <clears throat> and uh, do the prayers uh, the first prayer and the um tahajjud or the voluntary prayers in the morning but then they would do some sort of exercise as well or you know they would go have a walk right mm. very early in the morning and they would also start you know um their work in the morning yeah that goes directly hand in hand with hand what they say with. um healthy body healthy mind yeah right yeah so to have a healthy mind to yeah. progress in spirituality mm mm-hmm. you should have a f- better and healthy bodies and yeah. uh, should be more physical you know we just uh, we've put our story on our social media on instagram and uh, our social media platforms asking what is your favorite way to keep fit and we've had some responses mm-hmm. and um, uh, one of the individuals said uh, to keep fit a balanced diet is important and fresh air uh, another response was trying to do the 10k steps daily doing cardio weight lift in the gym. So, and another person um said that walking fresh air is a great way to keep fit. How how much do you agree with these responses? I, mean, I, I do agree with great. it, but um getting the fresh air is not maybe maybe not always possible for everyone. Uh but uh, I'll say that for Londoners, uh London has preserved most of the parks and wherever you live, I think um at least a walk of 15 minutes you'll reach some sort of park where you can have fresh air um so i do agree with all of these answers you know it uh, shows um there's there's been many <coughs> research um uh, uh, about um, our bodies and um morning light the mm-hmm. daylight that we we see yeah it also affects our mental health and our So you know these walks in the park especially in the fresh air in the morning yeah. I think it's it I think is a really good uh, to to uh, stay active the whole day and mm-hmm. uh, to just feel fresh um I think which we so it's something we can all implement in our lives yeah. um which will be a cause of uh, health benefit Yeah definitely so but the light that you're talking about it's a specific light during the early hours of the day isn't it uh, yep. it's, I don't think it's a uh, any light of the day generally you know uh, sometimes what people face is that they wake up at a time and let's say the drive to work or yep. walk to work or and they will only get 
um, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, depending on where they live, they'll mm-hmm. get sunlight for so, so and so amount of time. Yeah. And then they go to their jobs, works inside places, offices, and then for the entire day until they finish, they do not see the daylight. Yeah. Right. Hmm. So what I mean by active daylight is basically when you're out in the morning, yeah. um, just going for a walk and just absorbing all the, the, the light. And so that is the research shows is beneficial hmm. for your bodies. OK, OK, that makes sense. That makes sense. Right. Um, now we are discussing what we're discussing, why and what sorts of sports and what sorts of uh, activities we need in our life to have a healthier um, lifestyle. Uh, but how do we improve our health? Um, how do we make it happen? So what is it? What what things do we have to consider in our lifestyle? What is it that we need to do? So, you know, the most important benefit of exercise yeah. is its ability to turn back the clock in aging muscles, right? Right. So do you ever see people of old age who are fit and strong and wonder how they could do it? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people who uh, who are old and I'll, I'll rate the, uh, you know, people with the African genes. You know, they look very, very young. I don't know. That's pr- probably because of the ancestors. Oh, yeah. Genes is obviously, that's one part. Genes but, uh, just is what one of the... But yeah, a lot of people yeah. I've seen uh, uh, in the gym as well. Mm, they're in their 50s, 60s and they look fit. Yeah, They look so fit. You know, the answer to that lies in how long they have been committed to fitness. Mm, But keep in mind, it is always possible to start whether you're you're in your 20s, Mm. 30s, 40s, 50s or even an old age. It's just about getting to the gym or anywhere Mm. uh, where you can exercise and just starting or even if it's a walk a day. Mm. It's just about clocking the aging muscles and clocking them back and that will help you in the long term. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And research has shown that in people who exercise, their muscles are strengthened and mm-hmm. their overall health is better. So according to exercise science professors, uh, they say that activity should be considered a health-enhancing, life-extending treatment alongside medications and a healthy diet. You know, right. we talked we talked about a healthy diet. That also, that's also part of... Um, um, making our physical bodies and um, making um, a healthy mind mm-hmm. uh, balanced diet is also necessary. Yep. So exercise uh, promotes a, pr- a reprogramming, which is when chemicals affect a gene's activity or expression. Right. So, yeah, you said uh, it's it's really, really true. Uh, you said that exercise, it makes you stronger um, and uh, it strengthens your bones and your your muscles as well. That you know, afterwards, when you, you know, age and when you become older, those exercises and the strengthening of your muscles that you did in your early age, that will actually help you not to break your muscle, uh, your bones easily. Because what happens is I've realized that myself as well, I had shoulder injury for many years, you know, more than a decade. And uh, I've been to doctors, so many treatments, etc., etc. I've been taking medication, but when I, you know, I was doing some research, how to, you know, how to cure from this, and they showed I've seen so many exercises, strengthening exercises, to make my basically joints more stronger, and I've actually strengthened my joints, and I've realized that 
the pain that I used to have before, that's gone. And I can lift heavier weights. So that means it actually helps. You know, if I strengthen my all my joints by doing some sort of exercise or exercises that will, you know, build muscles around my, you know, joints, that will actually help me in the long term as well, especially hopefully in, in when I'm older. Yeah, it's okay. You know, uh, back in our seminar, we used to pretty much exercise on a daily basis. Yes, we um, did. Often yeah. together as well. Mm. So how often are you exercising now? <laughs> Uh, are that's you a good question. At all? That's a good question. You know, I have a gym membership, and uh, sometimes I feel like I'm wasting my money. <laughs> but I try to go few times at least. Uh, you can yeah. say two or three times, but not as regular as I used to go. Remember, we used to go every single every day. day. It was part every of our day. routine. Maybe one day off in the weekends, but we used to go every single day. Mm. But unfortunately, I'm not, you know, I, I I, am speaking about exercising and the benefits of it, but I'm not an example. I'm not <laughs> acting upon what I'm saying at the moment. Uh, but yeah, maybe I think the end goal is just maybe. to make ourselves better and perhaps motivate some of our, our listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that's the most important thing. Maybe yeah. after this sh- uh, show... We'll just end up deciding. Let's let's go for a jog. Let's go for a, a quick trust me. When I was, session. you know, when I was going through today's research, right, and the, the topic, I was reminding myself that tomorrow is March the first. I need to start ASAP and not give up and be very regular that I used to be. I remember, you know, there were days I, I was I used to be a chubby before. Uh, then I got into exercise and I had a, a good physique you know I, I felt good as well but then uh, slowly slowly it's going towards the decline and yeah. and after this show and just before preparing this show as well I've, I was feeling like okay I need to do something it's like, <laughs> it motivates you right it, it motivates me just just by you know just by looking into it looking research. into it the research the just preparing myself as well mentally to discuss about this topic it was actually motivating me and telling me that look uh you're gonna tell people that exercise is good you're gonna have to start yourself yeah <laughs> so I that's uh that's the thing to motivate know? people you should be the first example first example actually. yeah i you know you've mentioned first of march and uh, perhaps starting on the first of march and also you know ramadan also yeah. begins in march do you have any tips for you know some of our listeners who maybe start going gym during the month of Ramadan or exercising? Do you have any tips for them? Um, yeah, so um, so during every Ramadan, right? I would do some research on how because it's exhausting when you have to fast for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hours, right? And they say that you should exercise. There, there are two times you can exercise either at night after you have done your iftar which is the opening or breaking your fast um so either you can just do before that just before that yep so once you've done that and you're exhausted and you need your nutrition you you can have it you can open yep. your fast with um, you know wait, you, you break your fast and you will not be exhausted for the rest of the day mm. but if you start in the morning and you tire yourself let's say Usually, what most of the people do is no. I'm not going to say most of the people, but we have this habit of doing things early. So I would go in the early in the morning. So that's not something which is suggested. So 
if you're gonna have to slightly change your uh, routine a bit. So instead of going early in the morning after uh, your you have opened your uh, sorry you have started your fast, yep. uh, you shouldn't go. So instead of that, you go either just before you break your fast, yeah. or you can go during the night. I mean, yeah. you, you know, we sleep late during mm. the Ramadan time because uh, we have. But we I think I think the ideal time. Uh, I've also um, have done exercise during yeah. the month of Ramadan. Um, I thought that going just before we open your fast yeah. um, was very. Uh, like it was helpful for me because, it was helpful uh, yeah I remember although, I used yeah. to go before although before, yeah. I had less energy mm-hmm. but you know going at a time let's see if I was go- to go in the morning mm-hmm. um, but when I come back the whole day would be really difficult I would be tired and mm. because of just working out and just going before breaking out fast I think that was um, helpful and the thing is night I wouldn't recommend because you should try to get your sleep and then wake yeah. up for the voluntary prayers uh, so if you go late at night, maybe you might just skip that, or hmm. it might not be as beneficial. Yeah, uh, that, that I I agree with you. Uh, if you go to gym too late, then you won't be able to sleep on time as well because you need those few hours of sleep. And uh, I agree with you that all what you could do is either just before breaking your fast, or what you could do is maybe uh, before you start your, your fast, fast in yeah. the morning when you wake up but that's, that's very too early hard. In that's the morning, very yeah. hard yeah. Uh, that's too early um, yeah I, I agree with you you know the best time is I guess just before you break your fast um, we have our first guest um, Junaid who has joined with us uh, today um, he is a level 3 qualified personal trainer with a degree in informational uh, technology. His goal is to try and help people who are physically challenged get the benefits that exercise has to offer. Uh, with this intro, I would like to welcome uh, Mr. Junaid. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, peace be upon you and welcome to our show. Wa alaikum How are you? I'm doing well. Um, we're doing great. Uh, as you know that we are discussing about um sports and benefits of exercise um so uh, you know I, I am feeling a little ashamed that i'm not exercising regularly and this show actually has motivated me so how are you and uh, uh, please do motivate us uh, you know with our, with with your talks as well um how yeah. are you uh, i'm fine mm-hmm. uh, I'm a level three PT with a disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay, okay, thank you. Um, and uh, and thank you very much for joining us. Um, I mean, uh, could you describe what a cerebral or spinal ataxia is, which is, you know, uh, in your case. Um, which you are, um, you know, you just said um, that you have. So, um, so what is that exactly? Yeah. So, ataxia is a condition of the nervous system. It affects 
Pyramoomerman and your coordination affects your daily task. It makes a little task like, like making a cup of coffee. It makes it hard, but that doesn't stop me from living my life. Okay, um, thank you. Um, and uh, in your opinion, um, what kind of physical activities or exercises have you found to be more beneficial um, for your disability? Uh, because, you know, exercise, sometimes exercise is not always possible, not all sort of yeah. exercise is possible for everyone. For example, yeah. elderly people, they, they cannot, for example, go for, uh, you know, marathon runs or... Um, you know, they cannot do hit training or something like that. So the best exercise, what we know for every uh, age group, is is at least walking. So what are the ac- activities that you can do, and you recommend? Yes. So uh, as there are many types of attacks, so it matters on the underlying cause as I do balance exercises and I do strength training I go to the gym make weights do mobility do body exercises Mm-hmm. And I'm doing a bit of cardio. I'm just exercises more is gonna help. You've got to train yourself mentally. I think uh, you're you are quite active, and um, I, it's, it's great to see that um, these exercises are helping you. Uh, Junaid, what advice would you give to others with similar disabilities who are hesitant or they are unsure about starting uh, a exercise routine and just, just that so they may be motivated uh, to perhaps start exercising and improve their health? Yes. So first I would say consider either working with a PT on a physical therapist, start slowly and then gradually bring your intensity. Remember, doing some sort of activity is better than doing no activity. Mm-hmm. And and lastly, um, uh, Brother Junaid, um, do you can you give us any 
tips on on uh, how we can adopt exercise in our lives uh, regardless of our circumstances um or regardless of our busyness or what we do in our uh day-to-day lives uh, any tips that you want to give uh to the listeners so that they can uh take it with them and and perhaps um you know adopt it in their in their life yeah so basically first of all our body is a, a mana we got to return our body back and secondly uh, improve your muscle your muscle mass Mm-hmm. and your bone mass and it is not only physically but psychologically mm-hmm. so for your mental health and it increases your confidence mm-hmm Yes, definitely. It it really does uh, increase your confidence as well because um especially when you exercise with others as well and when you meet others uh whilst you're exercising you get into some sort of conversation as well and I li- I really like the um the gym uh culture that we have um that people are really helpful when when i go to the gym and 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 uh, um and uh, when i'm able to help someone you know i feel like i'm a part of the community um so it definitely helps us with uh, boosting our confidence and our daily day-to-day life as well thank you very much um uh brother janaid for joining us and answering our questions and thank you very much for motivating us Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um this was Brother Junaid. We are joined uh we he is a level three quali- qualified personal trainer with a degree in information uh, information technology. He's um he has been motivating us and uh, and you know he explained us that uh, the, the benefits of 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 exercise It's very um you know interesting uh, discussion that we had isn't yeah. it I think just going uh, <coughs> forward we've been talking about exercising and how beneficial it is and um so you know just, just I'm going to go through this quickly some of the illnesses and some of um how exercising can help mm-hmm. um so exercise can help lower the risk of chronic illnesses like cardiovascular disease which according to the World Health Organization is the leading cause of death worldwide and kills upwards of 9 million people as of 2019. Wow. Other illnesses like stroke and obstructive pulmonary disease make it to the top. Most cases are preventable. Exercise can also help with mental health and cognitive function by improving mood, reducing stress, and enhancing brain function, memory, and concentration. This is especially beneficial for adults experiencing memory decline not due to illnesses like dementia and alzheimer diseases and obviously um exercise also helps greatly with obesity hmm. 
So, you know, these are just um, a few benefits of exercise and um, some diseases that can be prevented yep. if you exercise on a daily basis. And these are just few that we we could mention, but there's so many there's so other many, benefits yeah. that uh, uh, exercise has, definitely. And I think obesity is, you know, it leads to a lot of um, diseases as well. I mean, uh, not everyone can control um uh, their weight as well because i know a lot of people they are very sportive um they are involved in in sports in a daily basis but uh they cannot help themselves and they get easily uh overweight as in uh, so but uh, on the other hand uh it doesn't matter what your body you know if you're obese or if you're of if you're skinny or if you have a perfect body already you know some some people they have they've been blessed with a very good body you know that you it looks like a very good genes it looks like they've been exercising forever but when you ask them they said we don't really exercise right you will be surprised um but regardless of your condition it doesn't matter you should include um sports in your day-to-day life um that helps you a lot trust me um now what happens if we stop exercise um you know sometimes it becomes you know mentally draining to pick ourselves up and to be consistent with our activities uh, activities now being consistent is something which is not easy you know we always motivate each other or we always do get motivated to start with something and we eventually start with something uh, especially when it comes to exercise but then we do give up um but the key for not to stop or to progress or to see results is to be consistent yeah. isn't it and you know this consistency it comes with uh, discipline Mm-hmm. You know like I mentioned before. Yeah. If you do not have the discipline, you won't be consistent. Definitely. Definitely. So, and how do you bring that discipline in you in yourself as because it's easy said, isn't it? Okay, we need discipline to be consistent, we need to be regular, uh we can't cheat, we can't uh, we can't be lazy, but how do you make this happen? I think I think <laughs> you develop it. You mm-hmm. develop discipline yeah. within yourself. Mhm. it's about how firm and how strong you are yeah within your mind mm-hmm. that you just develop it in mm. my opinion like let's say i know i have to work i have to go work every day yeah yeah i i just know mm. i have to yeah there's there's not a matter of question no i can't <laughs> yeah yeah and now it's come to a habit that i've it's become discipline yeah you're right you know, i need to i need to go work i need to go work when you know that there is no other option yeah then you it sort of transforms into discipline, discipline and then yeah. your mind has to it just follows up and you have to i think it's the same similar with um, exercise and um, working out that if you keep doing it and you think in your mind that i have to do it mm-hmm. it will to an extent it will become disciplinary to your schedule to your lifestyle and then then you just develop consistent and consistency yeah definitely Now um the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community um he also said about his life and the regrets he had 
of not exercising regularly because he himself saw uh, his father, the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, being very regular, although being extremely busy, but exercising regularly. And he, he said that no matter how much work the promised Messiah, as in his father, had to do, and even if prayers would be combined due to his work, he would still go for his walks. Indeed, he would go twice a day. So, wow. I mean, we know how busy uh, the Promised Messiah was, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, and, and still he used to exercise twice, or he used to go twice for walks. Um, Hazrat Muslim Maud, uh, or Hazrat Mizza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, then further on, says that I did not follow his practice and suffer uh, and suffered greatly as a result. That is why I, I advise young people that I stopped exercising due to a lot of work. Uh, but it caused such difficulty that I had to stop working. And at one point, my condition was such that I could work as well as four able-bodied people. But later the condition changed because I would not even be able to read one page of a book without getting dizzy. Now that I have started going for walks, I have not reached the same level of strength, but I have nevertheless felt much improvement and I have learned that it is necessary to follow the laws of nature. And the laws of nature is that you have to treat your body well you have to you know in order to function properly you have to uh, exercise or you have to how do you say it I mean you have to prepare your body for the workload that you do yep. right um, you know for example maybe if you're extremely busy in research and writing and reading and 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 uh, and, and, and 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 your your works that uh, you know is extremely important as a caliph, right? But um, he explains that the laws of nature is that you should exercise so that your body keeps running. Yeah. And, and and that is something that he realized afterwards. You know, when he was extremely busy, he did not, uh, he was not able to work. Uh, he, he was not able to exercise. Then he included exercise in his life, and then he saw these improvement happening. Yeah, it's like you know these words of the caliph. <clears throat> personally, I felt they they're really motivating, mm-hmm. um, and just like the caliph saying that at one point he was able to do equivalent work of four people yeah and then to an extent where he wasn't able to work even read a page wow so you know and then obviously he started exercising mm. and now it came to an extent that he was feeling much better after exercising mm-hmm. um but it could not develop to the the max strength that he could have potentially have gone to if he had been exercising his entire life mm-hmm. so you know these words are really motivating for myself and you know perhaps for myself uh, as well yeah for definitely. some of our listeners as well yeah definitely definitely um now what exercises can we do brother um what are the things that we can do i mean we've discussed about uh, things that we have done, yeah. but what the are the options? Options, yeah. You know, um, I mean, there's a few things we can 
make a habit to go to the gym and work out there for some people that may not be possible mm -hmm. um, some people working out at home or doing some sort of exercise at home maybe an easier option yeah um, I mean the options and uh, the whole it's, it's all vast and depends on your schedule your workload your your, your availability mm -hmm. so the most common types of exercise methods are cardio and weight training Right. So besides the benefits that we've discussed um, previously of mm. the health benefits, etc., they each have, you know, cardio and weight training. They both have, they each have um, in unique benefits. Right. Um, so weight training requires a lot more equipment because it deals with progression in the ability to perform specific movements mm -hmm. uh, while carrying the weights around. Yeah. So and obviously cardio, it's more about um, uh, the obviously it also depends on machines you have and uh, the equipment you have. Um, of course, in gyms, uh, all you, these equipments are available at wide, but at home you might only have a treadmill, uh, mm. so that might be your only option. Um, but you know what I personally recommend is that instead of going on a a, a treadmill in in an enclosed environment, yeah, um, whether that's at home. I think you should make effort to go out and let's say jog or mm. go for a run in the park because it's just it's much more refreshing and you you get to see the nature you get to see yeah. um uh, feel the fresh air but inside a home or inside a gym even in the gym I try not to when I go work out I try not to go on the treadmill um I rather run outside mm -hmm. And you know we used to do that. Yeah, quite we a used lot to do that as well in the nature. When in we the were nature, the the surroundings was beautiful yeah, because we had uh, quite a lot of mountains, hills, um, and yeah, it was beautiful. The place where we used to go for yeah, so but it doesn't really, it that doesn't really. It's not necessary that the surroundings needs to be no, no, beautiful. No, yeah. You know, you, you, you can also yeah go for a run in go the city. For a run in the city, um, anyway. Yeah, it's just that it's just about getting the fresh air, just yeah. exercising, just being healthy, active, mm. um, and at the end, the goal is to uh, prevent these illnesses uh, that you might suffer. Uh, yeah, maybe not now, but perhaps uh, later down uh, the time and when you age. Um, more specifically yeah yeah definitely I mean I'm pretty sure that if you ask um, our elderly people grandparents they're probably they will definitely say that you know you should exercise you should take care of your body now so you don't suffer in the uh, when you when you're older um, we have um, Nasirat Kokoi Jones with us who is a college student studying engineering physics. Um, she is an uh, avid sports player and has been involved in baseball, softball, basketball and field hockey. Uh, in her free time, she goes camping, swimming and is currently a lifeguard. Uh, she played volleyball recently for the first time and represented Team USA in a tournament. Um, camping is something that I would love to do myself as well. I always think of doing camping, but I've never, I was never been able to do it. Um, so, <laughs> out of topic. Uh, with this intro, I would like to welcome uh, Sister Nasirat. Um, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Um, Sister Nasirat, how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing great. Uh, and I'm feeling a bit more energetic uh, 
and excited to perhaps start a regular exercise um, after this show, hopefully. Um, sister, as, as someone who has been active for a long time, why do you continue to be involved in these activities? What is it that motivates you? What is it that keeps you going? Um, currently, I would say um, being able to have the experience is what motivates me. The experience of um, being able to view nature or um, being able to have the energy to do what I like to do, um, that's, that's what motivates me the most. It makes me happy. Um, I'm able to feel more spiritually and physically um, strengthened. So um, I feel like I'm motivated by Allah. Mashallah, that's great, sister. You know, you recently participated in an international volleyball tournament and having never played the sport before, like, what made you decide to actually compete in a tournament? I feel like um, I was, I felt coex, coex, um, to participate because uh, of the community that is within um, the Lajna Marla. Yep. So the community there was what motivated me. At first, I was a little bit skeptical because it was a completely different sport from the other sports I've played. But then when I thought about my past experiences with sports, I was like, um, I will be able to learn this sport pretty pretty quickly, and I should be able to be motivated as much as I was with the other sports. So let me give it a try. <laughs> yeah, and you know, when you were preparing for the actual tournament, um, how did you feel about your performance? Um, and you said that you haven't hadn't played um, volleyball before. Um, what did you feel that you you did? that improved your performance uh, compared to, let's say, the other sports that you have played? Um, so during the preparation of playing, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to any of the practice meets that we had planned for the U.S. team. Right. So I um, practiced on my own. I did a lot of yoga because I, I know that stretching is a major part of volleyball and yes. being able to... Um, hit the ball with all of your strength is very important as well. So I practice on my own and um, I made sure to do a lot of um, strength based exercises with my arms. And I felt like that was able to improve my skill, but I still felt a little bit um, overwhelmed with the fact that I might not uh, perform as well as my other teammates because they're actually playing together and practicing together. Mm -hmm. um, I do agree with the with the yoga as well. I mean, I, I don't really do yoga, but uh, I do stretch um, after my workouts, uh, which is pretty much like yoga, you can say. Uh, and it really does help me to recover and to work out even better for the next you know day um um all these activities that um you know you have 
involved in your in your day-to-day life has it impacted your social life um has it improved your social life or has it not um what improvements have it has it done to yours to your social life so all of the activities that i currently participate in has improved social life due to the fact that i'm now able to communicate with others and um get to learn and grow through the experiences with them as well so i'm able to learn new sports or go camping and be able to embrace the fact that i am able to socialize with others about their experience within that activity as well mm-hmm. and i've been tried all of these different sports um what advice would you like to give to someone who's trying to find an activity that they would love to do or maybe they are looking into starting exercise but i don't know what to start where to start from and what to do some advice i would give that person would be um start slow try to get an understanding of the sport or activity that you want to start do some research and then give it a try um trying at least 3 times will allow you to um feel whether or not you're comfortable with the activity or you're uncomfortable with the activity so with baseball for example i wasn't sure at first but then i was very motivated to give it a try and i did some research on how um some techniques are used and how i could uh play the sport on my own so i also did that with volleyball right before the tournament So with the tournament I did a lot of research, watched a lot of YouTube videos on how to use techniques and I was able to comfort myself with knowing that I at least know what I can do in order to better my experience with learning and playing volleyball. Yeah, sister, you know, um this um tournament that took place was held here in the UK by Lejnai Mailas the the women's organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and of course um I also um saw a few reports on the tournament and uh, saw how things uh, went so would we see you again next year back in the tournament and perhaps in maybe in a better position Um sorry, could you repeat that? So, do you think you um so you know this tournament uh hopefully I think it takes place uh, or potentially would take place every year which is has been organized by Lejnai Maila, the women's organization of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. You know, th- this was your first time representing the USA volleyball team. Uh, would you be taking part in next year as well? Um I inshallah I will be taking part in the next year. um activities i am very much motivated to try playing volleyball more now so um i would hope to meet all of the amazing people that i had met during the tournament the motivation that they gave me and the encouragement to improve on my skill was absolutely amazing and very um heartwarming so yes i would i definitely intend to I definitely intend to um play again next year. 
Mm, okay, thank you, thank you, um, thank you very much for your uh, uh, your time and answering uh, our questions, and hopefully we'll have you again next year. Maybe if you have the same topic, uh, we'll ask you about your experience next year. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Oh, Jazakallah. Jazakallah. So this was um, uh, um, <clears throat> Sister uh, Nasirat Kukui Jones, who is a, clo- a college student studying engineering physics, and she played volleyball for the um, Women's Association uh, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community in the UK. I believe it was the the, the, event, tournament, yeah, the, tournament, the tournament happened, happened in UK, here in the it? UK, and you know. It is quite motivating. That, it is motivating. Like she um, never played volleyball before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's really active player um, in other sports and um, loves sports as a whole and loves like the physical um, exercise and and she just decided to be part of a tournament which is very competitive. Yeah. And the teams that came for that participated in the tournament, mm-hmm. um, they had been training for many years together and. Um, they came together as a team and then she decided to actually uh, try and fit herself into the team and play for for their country hmm. it's motivating it's very motivating i mean uh, i mean she's from the women's association and it motivates us men as well to be more uh, into sports um, and i i also like volleyball i have been playing we, we we took part together in our sports day in the in a, we were the same group and we were uh, played in the same volleyball team. Oh, yes, we did. We did. Yes, yes. How did it go? Do you remember? I remember we used to get to semi-finals. And, semifinals. Oh, we can. Uh, yeah. Maybe I don't uh, recall if we have ever been to the finals. I know I'm for sure, football yeah. and other sports we had, mm-hmm. but for volleyball. I think we got to we, we got to semi finals, which was still good. So, yeah. Which was still good uh, without practice because I know that for volleyball we don't really practice. Um, we don't have the facilities for other Sports, things. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we didn't have, really have the facilities for that, but um, but we did well. I mean, um, you know, in, in the sports day, uh, in regards to sports day as well, I think His Holiness once came um, and used to come regularly to our um, sports, annual sports day and you know he said that all of you should also join in what, in with other youths in their sports and outdoor activities such as this will enable you to set a positive example for them and to be a role model. This is one of the reasons I encourage all the Jami students or um, the student of, uh, this is basically a university of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and he um, encouraged everyone to do sports and he said that you know everyone should participate in sports regularly and exercise regularly as well and he does guide us uh, on a day-to-day basis and the latest guidance that we got from his holiness was that you know especially uh, you know myself as well and it was to yourself to yours as well that in our day-to-day life we should at least walk for one and a half hour or two hours, I think. If you're not doing any exercise, at least these are the things that we should include at le- at the minimum level. Um, yeah, I mean, time really flies and it's nearly uh, five o'clock news. So um, I hope you've learned a lot. Do not go anywhere. We'll be back 
straight after the news and uh, we'll be talking about a different topic here is the news you're listening to the voice of islam radio broadcasting on dab and via the internet 24 hours a day Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you and welcome back to the Drive Time Show at Voice of Islam UK. Um, in the previous hour we were discussing about the importance of exercise, the benefits of it, what exercises we could do. Um, of course because of the limited time we could not cover everything but I'm pretty sure that we'll be discussing about this topic, this important topic again sometime uh, this year. or perhaps next year but um this hour we will be discussing about a different topic which is also something important um the topic of empathy um why do we need empathy why does the world need empathy what is what is empathy in fact because um for me it's a new thing right empathy uh and when i was just doing some research i came to know that sympathy and empathy are very similar sounding words but sympathy is something that you have an affection for someone and f- when having sympathy you go and you show your you show that you feel sorry or you show your your pain that you you feel right but when it comes to empathy you are basically not only showing but also being a part of it to get rid of whatever they are going through um so this is something that we are disc- will be discussing yeah, so um of course there are many types of empathy and uh, and and what what really means and how we can be how we can uh, involve empathy in ourselves as well as a lifestyle for others that's also something yeah, you know this is a it's a fundamental topic yeah. and which is important for human connections and uh, their relationships with other people and mm. how we interact with others yeah you know empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others yep and uh, you know this is indirect um teachings of Islam how we treat other people mm-hmm. like the two fundamental objectives of religion of Islam is the rights of God almighty yeah and the rights of human is the second and how we treat others is very important and we should um look and care for the feelings of other people so that we do not hurt them we do not um in any way our actions yeah um cause them any harm mm-hmm. and you know it plays a vital role empathy plays a vital role in our daily lives yeah allowing us to connect with others build strong relationships and also to navigate difficult situations with compassion and understanding right so that that is also with our relatives family members our colleagues um 
even it could be even be like strangers that we come across on our day-to-day lives um, whether we on the train on the bus yeah um you know just the, just developing that feeling in your heart to have care for uh, other individuals seeing them as the creation of god almighty um not thinking that you're above anyone and just treating everyone equally hmm yeah i mean uh, i think every prophet they were a perfect example of empathy because you know when whenever a prophet comes he comes in a place which is the worst on earth i mean humanity has um you know sank so low in in morality and in uh, in, in the habits and 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 all the stuff that you could name up are the evils of the society god would you know put or cherry pick someone to and appoint someone to go and live with them and change them and if a prophet never had empathy right if god did not you know um create this empathy in that prophet they would never care about the nation you know they would literally say you know what i have been guided i'm just going to go somewhere and uh, start living with the uh, humans who are more civilized right but you see that every prophet whenever they 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 came to this world they had such a beautiful they had so much love and pain for their nation wherever they lived that you know they really cared for them that they constantly used to pray for them used to go and take care of them and bring them towards humanity that that's what god teaches us to be human right that is what you know prophets have been teaching us through the guidance of god almighty right so the pain and the empathy that they had they were a part of the society they used to help every single people who were in need and they used to set an example for the whole community for the whole nation and this is what we learn from every single prophet um and especially from prophet muhammad peace and blessings be upon him where you know he emphasized so much so in that to have empathy for example he used to say that your neighbor should not have any complaints you know Yep. back in the days the walls used to be very thin and he said that if you for example you know um hammering something into a, a a nail into your wall make sure that it doesn't go through the other other wall so that they could be disturbed or to this extent he used to say that you this is the right of um this is uh, the 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 right of your neighbor you should you know cook extra for you for your neighbor so you could get give something uh for them as well you should 40 houses next to you you should make sure that you know how they feel what what's going on if there's any any issues with them and you should know and you should have uh and that was a minimum that he said you know 40 houses to your neighbors you should go and find out how they are doing right this is this was a, a a a prime example of the holy prophet peace and blessing be upon him and so much more and i cannot you know mention all of them um but yet what is your um you know thought on empathy what is it how can we 
uh, imply empathy in our life. You know, that's good. Just I've, I've mentioned before um, that religion and all key major religions they have also it's, it's a part, it's a key theme um, to their beliefs and their teachings. And empathy has been the subject of scientific research and philosophical debate, and it's a key theme in many religious religions and cultural traditions. And you know, in our topic today, um, we will just explore different types of empathy, the importance of empathy in our lives, and the ways in which we can cultivate greater empathy in ourselves and in others. You know, just to um, develop that empathy and the feeling of empathy within ourselves we need to understand what it is in the first and uh, at first and what our religion teaches us yeah. about empathy and you know you've given a few examples of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him how you know he was sent um to to promote the the teachings and uh, he was in direct um guidance uh with from god almighty and uh, everything he's the he's the true picture um of the teachings that have been told in the holy quran the holy book of muslims yeah and his life um was well, is an example for us and how he lived his life um was something we can all benefit from and we should be uh, we should try our utmost to to follow his um teachings and the way he carried himself, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, carried himself um, to looking after the rights of other people whilst fulfilling the rights of God yeah. um, is truly remarkable. Mm. At the end of the day, uh, when we fulfill the rights of the creation of God Almighty, at the end, we also are pleasing God Almighty. Mm. So it goes hand in hand. Whilst we fulfill the rights of God, yeah. and whilst we're fulfilling the rights of humans, we are attaining the pleasure because one, when God Almighty sees that you are helping His creation in any way whatsoever, yeah. um, at the uh, when when even if say if your neighbor is feeling um, sick or if he has if he's going um, through hard times, yeah. and you go and help him, God Almighty sees this yeah. as as a good action as as you are helping his creation, someone God, who's created. God, God Almighty sees this as a worship because yep. when we speak about worship and um, the purpose of our life, according to the Holy Quran, God Almighty has said that I have created the mankind so that they can worship me. That doesn't mean the worship that we do in the mosques or in the synagogues or in the churches or any places of worship. It, it means, um, first of all, when you are helpful for helpful to your fellow human beings, if you share your feelings with them and you allow yourself to help them to get rid of any pain and any sorrow and any problems that they are going through, if you are a part of that pain or if you you know, go and look for those who are in need and you go and help them. If you involve yourself, like the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that if I, there was a, um, there's a mountain called Ohud. He said that if I had the amount of gold as much as the Ohud 
mountain. The I would give out everything for the needy and the people who are in need, right? That that was his, you know, teaching, and he himself did it as well. He never kept anything for himself. He always gave it out for those who were in need, right? So that was a part of our worship. So when we start worshiping, when when we um, help the mankind, it doesn't matter what background they are from, what religion they are from, anyone who is in need, and if you help them, that is a part of our worship. And and only then can our other worships, which is a physical worship, which we pray you know, in our five daily prayers, that will be accepted. If you are cruel and if you are careless of our neighbors or the people who are in need, people, you know, God doesn't care about our prayers. He will say, you don't care about my creation. I have created you so that you could have a passion for each other. You could love each other. You could, you know, take care of each other. If you don't do that, I don't need your prayers. And this is what God, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessing and love upon him, has taught us. That, you know, it doesn't matter whatever you do, your prayers, right? If you don't take care of your parents, your neighbors, the needy, uh, the, the, the beggars, right? Uh, there's no point of praying, right? Um, <clears throat> so there are, you know, we've discussed that um, the topic for this hour is empathy. Now, what uh, what is empathy and what are the... Uh, differences the between the the types of empathy. Types of empathy so, yeah. yeah, so you know, I've um, I mentioned the definition of empathy earlier. Um, it's the ability to understand and share feelings of others. Mm-hmm. So there are three main types of empathy. Um, one is cognitive empathy. Second is emotional empathy, and thirdly, compassionate empathy. And you know, each type of empath- empathy if um, it involves different cognitive and affective processes and can have different implications for behavior and social interaction. You know, these are three different types of... Um, and, you know, just to elaborate on what each um, each one is or yep. what it means, <clears throat> cognitive empathy involves understanding someone else's perspective and being able to see the world from their point of view. So let's say you picture yourself in the other person's position and seeing what they might think or what their feelings could be. This can be helpful in resolving conflicts and negotiating complex social social situations as it allows us to predict how others may react to our actions or statements. So just before, let's say if you was to um, make a point, just before making that point, you look at their point of view yeah right seeing how they might feel if you was to say so and so thing uh, just picturing yourself in their position and just taking a, a thought like if i was to hear this yeah from this person how would i feel right yeah you know so this when you take that second or two seconds before you say something it can help you be uh, empathetic towards other person you, you can try and avoid um, certain scenarios which could be bad hmm. um, in terms of your workplace wherever you may be just understanding the perspective of the other person yeah exactly sometimes you know 
people go through so many things and we judge on what they are doing but we don't really know the ba- the background of why they are doing something right yeah. and yeah like you said cognitive empathy is you know being in their been in their position in, a, in their position uh, in having their understanding their point of view yeah um, so secondly emotional empathy it involves feeling someone else's emotions and experience experiencing their joy pain or other affective states it can lead to increased feelings of closeness and connection with others but also at the t- same time it can lead to emotional exhaustion or burnout especially in people who may work in healthcare or social work professions so this is basically just feeling or trying to feel the same emotions okay. um as the other person mm-hmm. um whether that it's um, whether it's pain as you know we've mentioned a number of narrations of the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him uh, how he said to look out for your neighbors and uh, to uh, feel the pain for them and you should know how they are if yeah. they if they if they've had um, someone passed away in their family you should be part of their pain yeah yeah be supportive that's one of the rights of a muslim as well isn't it yeah our right of your fellow human being yeah, that, exactly. uh, if someone uh, passes away you go and visit them and share your pain with them yeah so this is exactly emotional empathy right. whether that's in the form of pain mm. joy happiness that's why we also uh, when we are invited to um weddings let's say or um we should we should go and be part of their celebrations mm-hmm. because it brings them happiness and then you can also be part of um their happiness right thirdly the compassionate empathy that involves feeling someone else's emotions and wanting to help them hmm. it combines the cognitive and affective aspects of empathy and is associated with prosocial behavior such as volunteering and charitable giving right so this combines both of them together and um is basically the feeling of like helping um other human beings whether yeah. it's in the form of giving charity or you know you know feel you feel uh, like current situation hmm. in turkey yeah we're not there but we can feel their pain they help what they're going through we're not there uh but a lot of people they just go there live with them and try to to support them support help them, them help them and as much as like they can yeah. we some of us can't physically go there yep. um and you know they've gone through such a devastating um earthquake yeah. and um you know it's still it's still uh, whenever we hear the news of it yeah. and it's just heartbreaking you know that feeling mm-hmm. and then going out and let's say you can't go there physically but donating there's many charities Um, that are supporting this uh, Turkey and Syria earthquake appeal and such as Humanity First um, is one of them yeah. and just donating that's basically compassionate empathy Compa- yeah definitely and um, by donating as well you are uh, you're taking part in helping them uh, perhaps not physically but you um, that could help them eventually um, you know the thing for the for the things that they need um we had an interview with uh, mike robbins uh, earlier um who is a author of five books including bring your whole self to work which is one of his books and we're all in this together um he's a well-known motivational keynote speaker 
and an expert in emotional intelligence. Um, he's um, he has spoken to us earlier, and let's listen to his conversation. So, um, what is empathy, and why is it important in our personal and professional relationship? Well, I think empathy. I mean, there's a lot of different ways we can think about it, but I think of empathy as you know a feeling of awareness towards other people's emotions and an attempt to understand how they feel. Um, you know, sometimes it can also lead us to action and wanting to help others. But I think it's super important in all of our relationships because empathy is about how we connect with each other and try to understand one another, even in our differences. And that's obviously important in our personal relationships, family, friends, you know, yeah. loved ones, but also at work. And a lot of the work and the research that I've done over the last 20 plus years is helping people bring more empathy and compassion into the workplace. Yeah, thank you. Um, so what are some of the common obstacles to empathy and how can you overcome them? I think there's a couple of challenges sometimes. I mean, first of all, given everything we've all been through over the last few years with the pandemic and everything else, Sometimes just our own stress and our own focus on ourselves can make it difficult for us to have empathy for others. Yeah. I think sometimes people misunderstand the difference between empathy and sympathy. Yeah. Um, both are important, but sympathy is more kind of feeling sorry for someone else, whereas empathy is more connecting with another's emotional experience. And sometimes, again, let's say we're really different. We have different religions and races and backgrounds and genders and or or someone has an experience that we've never had. Um, sometimes we can think, well, I can't relate to that. So therefore, I can't have empathy. And you don't have to have had the same experience as another human being in order to tap into that empathy. And the way I, I think about overcoming it, if you will, is just remembering that we've all experienced just about every emotion you can experience as a human being from joy to pain from excitement to sadness and everywhere in between and so empathizing with other people is just tapping into what's real and present for them emotionally and can we find that place within ourselves that may not walk in their shoes or have their same experience but can relate to i know what it feels like to feel sad yeah. or to feel joy or whatever the case may be yeah thank you um so the next question is, um, how can you balance empathy with self-care and avoid burning out from caring too much? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of talk over the last few years of kind of empathy fatigue or compassion fatigue, if you mm -hmm. will. Um, and that's a real thing. I, I don't actually believe we can care too much necessarily, but I do think we have to have some healthy boundaries. Yeah. And so, you know, empathy is a natural emotional response that we can develop and enhance that a lot of us, you know, tap into very um, organically. And at the same time, if I'm spending all of my time and attention and energy on caring for and being there for others, but I'm not there for myself, mm -hmm. that can be a problem. So, you know, it's the cliche of, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first on the yeah. airplane, but there's a lot of truth to that. So we have to make sure that we're first extending empathy and compassion to ourselves so that we can actually show up authentically for other people that way. Yeah. Definitely. I think a lot of people forget to be empathetic to themselves, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so next, um, how does empathy relate to vulnerability and courage? And how can you practice all of these in your life? Well, vulnerability and courage are super important. And, mm -hmm. you know, thanks to the great work of people like Dr. Brene Brown 
here in the U.S. at the University of Houston, this understanding of vulnerability we have more these days than we <clears throat> ever have. And the idea of vulnerability is really, it's about embracing risk, emotional exposure, and uncertainty. And that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And a lot of times with empathy, um, it can be painful to empathize with people who are really suffering or going through hard things. And so it does take a certain amount of emotional courage to do that. And there's a certain amount of vulnerability. Again, as I was talking about earlier, I may not be able to relate to your exact experience, but I can often relate to the emotional experience if you're willing to be real and vulnerable with me. And in response, I can be real and vulnerable with you. And the practice of these things to me, I mean, the metaphor I always use when I talk about this is the iceberg. It's like lowering the waterline on the iceberg, mm -hmm. just expressing or exposing a little more of what's real and what's true, which takes courage and is a great way to, you know, connect with others. And, and what I've learned through studying vulnerability is the natural human response to vulnerability is empathy. So they're directly linked to one another. Yeah, thank you. Um, so how can you approach situations where empathy may not naturally come, like come naturally, such as conflict or difficult conversations? I think it goes back to vulnerability. Like if I'm coming into a situation that might be a hard conversation or a conflict, one of the ways I try to lead, I don't always do it, but I try to lead into that conversation is with some sense of vulnerability, like, Hey, I want to talk to you about this, but I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling angry or defensive, or I'm worried it's not going to go well, or we've talked about this many times before, and it's usually not been a pleasurable experience or whatever. Yeah. If we can lead with the vulnerability, is that scary? Yeah. But again, the natural human response to vulnerability is empathy. Yeah. And to remember that most people are scared of conflicts and difficult conversations, regardless of the side of the conflict we find ourselves on. And I try to look for, we can try to look for that common ground, which is really where empathy often exists. Yeah, thank you. Um, did you have any final thoughts or insights that you wanted to share on the topic of empathy? Or I just think it's super important, as we were talking about earlier, yeah. to make sure that we include ourselves in the empathy. Definitely. I think we often think about empathy for others, which it is often about, but having empathy and compassion for ourselves is super important, both for our own well-being, yeah. but also so that we can authentically be empathetic to others. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You were just listening to um, a... Um, pre-record um, and a Q&A with uh, Mike Robbins who spoke about the topic of empathy um, very interesting um, conversation indeed um, earlier before this um, interview we were discussing about the three types of empathy and um, the Islam is a religion that also teaches us in every um, way of life to adopt empathy. Um, and Islam also teaches and emphasizes the importance uh, of, of empathy as a fundamental aspect of faith. And the Holy Quran teaches that we should uh, show kindness to our parents, to the kindred, to the orphans, to the needy, and to the neighbor that is a kinsman, and the neighbor that is a stranger, and the companion by your side, and the wayfarer, and those whom your right hand possesses. Surely Allah loves not the proud and the boastful. I mean, the Holy Quran is full of examples of how to 
uh, be empathetic or am, am I saying it right? Or how to be uh, have empathy for everyone. This verse that I've just recited is from chapter 4 verse 37 and it shows the importance of compassion and consideration for others highlighting the importance of all three types of empathy that um, you just mentioned, Noshirwan. Um, further on, it encourages Muslims to practice kindness and generosity in, in their daily lives as well. And the Holy Prophet, the founder of the universal and the complete religion of Islam, also emphasized on empathy and he exemplified by saying that he is considered the ultimate example of empathy. You know, the Holy Prophet himself is the ultimate example of empathy. He was known for his kindness, his compassion, the concern for the well-being of all people. He demonstrated empathy in his interactions with individuals from all walks of life, including children, the elderly, the sick, and the marginalized. Um, and one... You know, one, yeah. So yeah, just, you know, it, it, there is an example as well that uh, that you wanted to present as well, right? Yeah, um, so, you know, we're talking the about Prophet, yeah. the life of the Holy Prophet, yeah. the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and how he was considered the ultimate example of empathy yep. uh, we find many um, narrations and examples of uh, him demonstrating um, this empathy one example would be his love care and empathy towards orphan kids mm-hmm. so you know the holy prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him himself having been an orphan paid special heed in caring for orphan children and he said I and the one who looks after the needs of the orphan and brings him or her up in the best possible manner will be together in paradise like two fingers of one hand. Hmm. And he also further said, the best Muslim home is the one in which an orphan is treated with kindness yeah. and the worst is that in which the orphan is treated unkindly. So, you know, he presented both examples. Yeah. A house is a Muslim home is the best where an orphan is treated in the best possible manner, and that also means, like, say, if you have other children, yes, um, that are your bio- biological children, and um, you give them clothes, food, um, and but the orphan kid, if you give him the same food and same clothes to wear, yeah, that's acting, that's <clears throat> be, that's that's you're being equal and um, treating him as your own child. And you know that's the best example of empathy, and someone uh, someone could take pay heed to it, and and if they wanna make their home paradise, yeah, they can adopt an orphan and perhaps uh, be the best example. Definitely. And, um, and the worst example is where in a household where an orphan is treated unkindly, hmm. um, he's not treated the same as other children. He's been looked down upon, and other children are treating him in the same way. Um, that could be. That's very bad, and it's not um, according to the teachings of Islam. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, like you said, the orphan is, and he showed his two fingers, you know, saying that the Holy Prophet and an orphan will be so close, like we have our 
you know, fingers together, right? So he's, the, the he's, one who looks after the orphans. The one who looks after yeah, the, so the orphans. Him. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the sorry, holy yeah. prophet, yeah. peace and blessing be upon him. And the person who looks after an orphan would be um, like the two fingers in one hand. In, in paradise in paradise that's how close to, he's mentioning the closeness yeah. of such an individual I mean it's, it's, this is such a beautiful lesson that we can learn isn't it I mean yeah. an orphan who has no parents to take care of and if you take the responsibility to take care of such a person who has no one to be cared of you will enter paradise yeah, basically. Does it take you're it? Being, you're, being, you're being promised. You've been promised that you will be close to uh, the, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, and this is basically a ticket to paradise. Yeah. So, you know, you see that sometimes when someone enters Islam and or thinks of Islam, they would think, you know what, you pray five times daily, or fast for the month of Ramadan. Although fasting has so many benefits, health benefits, and you know, doctors, they recommend fasting as well um, and do all these things, right, uh, that, you know, that Muslims have to do, right? It, it, it seems to be very difficult, right? But the Holy Prophet did not just focus on prayers, you know, physical prayers, but he's been focusing on all these good deeds that you could do that eventually would, you know, enter you into heaven that eventually will forgive all your other sins perhaps um and he has not limited this to to only muslims he has is been mentioning he mentions this and he has mentioned this for the whole mankind right um so this is a teaching that um islam is such a universal religion that doesn't emphasize only on uh the 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 worship the physical worship that we do but it 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 emphasizes on um the good deeds that we could do to enter paradise it's not just praying five times daily it's not you know um you know uh, the fasting or paying the zakat or paying the <clears throat> annual uh, amount of money that you pay um if you have excess money or other sort of things that you do physically to please God uh, which is which we know as worship but also you know taking care of humanity taking care of anyone or that is in need not just um, humans but it has been also mentioning about animals as well isn't it now let's delve more into this topic and and uh, let's talk about the importance of empathy what is what are the what is why is empathy important so empathy is in, you know is important uh, for many different reasons and um, it's also important because it allows us to connect with others mm-hmm. understand their needs and feelings and it builds stronger relationships you see that if you are more empathetic towards someone and you look after their feelings and uh, and you look after uh, what they need, uh, you tend to uh, build stronger relationships, mm-hmm. which is very important. Um, right. Just having that that relationship with another person, yeah. um, which is due to their feelings and their needs, mm-hmm. uh, you can benefit for a long time. And it shouldn't just be 
for your own interest, but it should rather be for just just to help humanity at large. It also helps us to communicate more effectively and it resolves conflicts in a constructive manner. Uh, you know, I mentioned before, uh, let's say if you get into an argument or just be, just think of the feeling of other person before you actually react or respond, um, that might just help resolve uh, issues. It also promotes greater understanding and tolerance of others who are different from us. You know, not everyone is the same. Not all five fingers are the same. So yeah. you don't, you can't expect the other person to be the same as you or have the same thought or have the same feelings. Yeah. They might be going through a challenging time. They might be going through um, some sort of crisis or, and you know, just um, having that tolerance and that understanding um, that could also help. And empathy is also crucial for the well-being of individuals and society <coughs> as a whole. It can help us um, recognize and respond to the suffering of others. Like, you know, we were mentioning before the suffering um, of um, the innocent people in Turkey and Syria yeah. after the, the de devastating earthquake. And it motivates us to take action to alleviate that suffering. Um, it could be in the form of volunteering, um, giving charity, doing um, noble deeds to, to help others. Yeah. It also allows us to build stronger, more supportive communities where individuals feel valued and cared for. You know, if you have, um, if you look after someone and you make them feel valued, yeah, uh, they feel much better about themselves and they have a lot more respect for you. Yes, right. That's true. So you know, just the uh, common ground. You know, when you let's say you go to a restaurant and you someone is serving you, right, mm. a waiter. And if you make them feel valued, regardless of the job they're doing, regardless of whatever they are doing, yeah. um, they're serving you. Yeah. But if you make them feel valued at what they are doing, yeah. they will respect you and value you in the same manner. And they can perhaps uh, guarantee you with a... Uh, a complimentary or some sort. Or, or they can guarantee you that your food is safe because never, um, <clears throat> never treat the one who handles your food bad because yeah. you never know how what what's going to come to your plate as well but that's not the point you know yeah, the, the point, point that you mentioned is regardless of whatever position someone has and in this circumstance you've mentioned uh, for example someone who's uh, serving you your food right if you you know treat them very well mm. and uh, that you say that you know, I'm really grateful that you bring the food to me, mm -hmm. and thank you very much for your service. Um, um, you you make their day as well. It feels like, and and they, uh, and the good the way they they present themselves, and if you motivate someone, if you treat them well, next day or um, or, or to someone else as well, they will treat others even better because you have actually treated them how they should be treated. Yeah. And you know, this is indirect um, teachings of Islam. Yep. And you know, the Holy Prophet uh, of Islam, peace be upon him, he taught us that none of you truly believes until he loves for his brother what he loves for himself. And that's not a biological brother. It's your your brother, brother in or faith, your sister, brother, yeah, it, any, your fellow human being, basically. Fellow human being, yeah. exactly. exactly. And you know, at the end of the day, you if you value them, if you respect them if you share their feelings of pain of joy grief yeah. whatever it may be 
then you're building a better community for yourself, your children, you're the next generation, yeah. uh, which is very important. Definitely, definitely. Um, now we are going to listen to another um, Q&A um, which we had with Jill Suti, uh, who is a freelance a science journalist and a staff writer and contributing editor for Greater Good magazine. She's written hundreds of articles about the science of pro-social emotional um, emotion and behavior, including the science of compassion, mindfulness, resilience, or altruism, happiness, cooperation, and purpose. She also is a musician uh, with uh, two CDs of her original music. So... Um, with this intro, let's listen to her conversation that she had earlier, and here is the conversation. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Uh, I'm joined by Jill Asuti, uh, who is a freelance science journalist and a staff writer and contributing editor for Greater Good magazine. She's written hundreds of articles about the science of pro-social emotion and behavior including the science of compassion, mindfulness, resilience, or altruism, happiness, cooperation, and purpose. She's also a musician with two CDs of her original music, which can be found at jillsuti.com. Peace and blessings be upon you, Jill. Thank you for joining us here on The Drive Time Show. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So we're talking about empathy, right? So how do you define empathy and why do you think it is an important quality to have nowadays well i'm i'm basing this on the research of others but mm -hmm. yes i see empathy as a basic human emotion or capability that allows us to foster better human relationships mm -hmm. and it helps us attune to other people better understand how they may be feeling and thinking in certain situations and Basically, uh, those people who study empathy scientifically look at it as kind of a, in two ways. Empathy is sometimes studied as what they call emotional resonance, which mm -hmm. means that you, are, you have the capability of feeling within yourself what another person is feeling. When you, when you see somebody, for example, let's say you're watching a scary movie mm -hmm. and see an actor who's scared, you're going to experience some of that fear in yourself. Mm -hmm. You're going to tense up feel frightened and that's basically emotional resonance at mm. work right? mm. being kind of like in also, tune with that person i suppose right and sort of feel basically you have the ability to have a lower level but uh, experience some of the same feeling as somebody else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're seeing uh, express an emotion and of course people have different capabilities of being able to do that but that's only one aspect of empathy. It also has a cognitive component mm -hmm. where you um, can you know, try to imagine how someone else is thinking or feeling. So like when you write a, read a book, you, know, you might imagine what a character is going through and sort of predict how they might behave based on your understanding of you know, what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. And so you know, obviously empathy is important because it, um, it, it helps us better understand other people and that can help build relationships mm, i suppose that expression of putting yourself in someone else's shoes comes to mind with that i mean right. how, how do exactly. you 
Yeah. So how do you think technology um, in terms of like, say, you know, the social media and the smart devices that we have to access social media is changing the way we experience and express empathy? I mean, what are the potential benefits and maybe the drawbacks uh, that, you know, these uh, changes have? Well, um, there are certainly both, right? And I'm I'm not the most qualified to answer this, probably. But um, I mean, some of the researchers I've, whose work I've studied, have something to say about it. For example, Sherry Turkle at MIT, who studied the impacts of cell phones on conversations, and found that even just the presence of a cell phone in on the table, even mm-hmm. if it's upside down, can affect the way people express themselves in conversation and it and there's been some research showing that it seems to decrease the feelings of empathy Mm -hmm. um so you know also of course a lot of us use text uh instead of phone calls to to talk or communicate over cell phones and texting it's pretty difficult to express a lot of emotion in uh in a text you get so much more uh in terms of uh, emotional cues Mm-hmm. when people talk to you versus when they text you. Mm-hmm. So that's going to bound to impact empathy because right, part of empathy is resonating with people's emotions. And if they're harder to read or if they're not expressing them as much, then you're not going to, you're going to have more trouble being empathic in mm-hmm. that way. And then, you know, there's also, if you think about social media, a lot of people use social media often, you know, to connect with other people and you can connect with people who are really far away and really different circumstances. And that's kind of lovely in the sense that you might get to know somebody who's living a really different life than yourself and come to understand them. And that could build some greater empathy with them. Um, On the other hand, sometimes people use social social media platforms to be very provocative Mm -hmm. or vitriolic. Um, and more so than they would probably do in real life if they were in front of a person, because mm. that anonymity sort of protects people. Yeah, I suppose you can hide behind social media to a certain extent. Exactly. And I, I think if you were with somebody sitting in front of them, you'd have more of an opportunity to engage in a deeper way, and that would probably build more empathy. Um, and you would have a dialogue instead of just having somebody, you know, attack you. Mm, exactly. exactly. Um, and it's really hard to be empathic with somebody who's, um, you know, basically um, attacking you and not giving you any chance to interact. Mm. So, you know, in that terms, like, as we were talking about that, I was like thinking, well, actually, it's quite, it's the, having an email nowadays is the form of getting sacked, right? It's quite impersonal. There's no, you know, you, you being the employer, maybe, for instance, and you're getting rid or you're, you're, you're you know, getting, uh, you're sacking an employee. It's quite, you know, you don't have to face them, right? It's quite an easy way right. of doing it. So in terms of... Well, it's not, also interesting. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So what I was going to say was, can you share any personal experiences where empathy played a significant role in a difficult situation? I'm not implying that you've been sacked, by the way, Jill. <laughs> Well, you know, there's oh, empathy plays a role in so many interactions. It's kind of hard to think of an instance when it doesn't play a role. But, um, you know, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I don't know if you want more of a personal example. I, I, 
I could talk about what happened with one of my best friends, for example. I mean, somebody who I'm very close to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've why not? I've been close to for over 45 years. Mm-hmm. You know, about a year ago, she wrote me a very hurtful email, kind of out of the blue. Oh, right. Calling me, yeah, manipulative and controlling and mm-hmm. telling, and even questioning whether our are not we our friendship should continue and that was something i was pretty stunned mm-hmm. to hear and That's at first right I was like, well, I thought, yeah I, I i should check that out with other people who know us and have been with us recently and just to check out did i miss something what happened is she out of line or am i out of line she said mm-hmm. and they were very upset with her and even thought about like not allowing her to participate in one of our social events that mm-hmm. was upcoming mm-hmm. and i was like well don't do that because I remembered, of course, I mean, I was very hurt, so it was hard, but I thought, oh, her mother's dying. You know, mm-hmm. she's really stressed out. She's fighting with her siblings. Um, they're having a lot of control issues about who has access to her mother or not. And I realized that maybe she was being sensitive to some things that I had said or done that mm-hmm. weren't really about me. You know what I mean? And so I put myself in her shoes and thought, okay. Um, how how must she be feeling in this moment? She really actually needs a good friend like me to be supportive. So I basically, you know, wrote to her and said I would like to talk, and I reiterated my care for her and mm-hmm. offered to listen to her complaints about me if she had some and try to work it through. And it just shifted the whole conversation. I mean, it mm-hmm. could have been relationship ending, you know. But it was yeah, like, I suppose oh, you know it's, it's an opportunity. Yeah, I suppose it's right. an opportunity uh, that you extended the olive branch and you having that friendship over so, you know, I think you said 45 years, yeah, that you've known this person. Yeah, oh, and um, to know that actually, well, it is a bit out of character and, you know, that, that expression being in someone else's shoes uh, and understanding what they're going through gave you that opportunity to, to I suppose, connect with her. Exactly. And, and trying to understand where she might be coming from in that moment. I mean, there are other examples of, you know, in my life, like, for example, I mean, I don't know if you want another example, mm. but I'm thinking of something that's a little less personal. Okay. Um, but what's interesting, so I live in this neighborhood, and there's a large piece of property on the top of a hill that has a lot of open space and had been available to neighbors for years for walking mm. through you know, a recreation, walking your dog, et cetera, et cetera. Even though people would gather there. And the, the people who originally owned the land allowed that and even encouraged it. But then they, sold, they had to sell it, and they sold it to a college. Um, and the college had students um, that were going to be staying there overnight. And, the, and they wanted to immediately build walls all around the property to make mm-hmm. it inaccessible to outsiders. And many of the neighbors protested they were they actually had a legal right to continue accessing the land mm-hmm. but the, the school was concerned for the safety of their students and it was you know through kind of each of us finding more empathy for where the other was coming from mm-hmm. that we al- allowed us to have a, a dialogue where we came up with a compromise mm-hmm. i mean there were going to be like lawsuits and everything right wow. but Instead, it was like, oh, wait, you know, they have a concern. Mm-hmm. You know, their students are there at night. They don't want to uh, leave it open for anybody walking through. And, and, the, but, and yet the neighbors wanted to have access. So what, they, what the compromise was is they did build 
against the walls. They had gates that were open during the day and closed at night. Mm, so and there's always a solution, really, if, if there's dialogue. Well, I don't know about really. always. <laughs> not always, but mm. it helps, right? I mean, it, it certainly helps not to demonize the other people and yeah. make them the enemy, you know, and all that stuff, but to try to think about. Well, I suppose know, it's, it's, it's where we are in society now. Um, you know, it's always yeah. a bit confrontational. But Jill, finally, I mean, what message or advice would you give to lis- to our listeners who want to develop their own empathy and become more compassionate, understanding individuals? Well, um, luckily, you, empathy is something that can be developed. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it depends what aspect you want to develop. But um, you know, if it's emotional resonance, there are some. Uh, evidence that doing certain kinds of meditation like loving kindness meditation can help build positive feelings about other people um, in general you know have warmth for people who are further and further from your own circle Uh, it's also important to be listening you know in an empathic way and you know the article that you that brought you to me was about the work of Helen Rice who's a physician and she's developed a program specifically to help physicians communicate with more empathy, mm-hmm. um, which gets some better results for their patients. It actually makes them feel better, too. And a lot of that is about learning, you know, respectful communication skills that build empathy. But, and, you know, also I would say I would point people to the greater good where I work um, at the University of California. We have a website that not only writes about the general science of empathy, but we have a, a second website called Greater Good in Action, ggia.berkeley.edu. And we list practices that have been shown to increase empathy. So, you know, if you look there and you find one that resonates with you, you can pick that and try it and see how it goes. I mean, that's there. You know, that's those are all possible ways. Mm. So, I mean, empathy. I suppose for our listeners out there, Jill, that's you know, there's always or there's there are methods to develop that empathy. It's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon, Jill. Thank you very much for joining us on The Drive Time Show. No worries. Thanks so much for having me again. Have Bye. a good day. You were just listening to Jill Suti, um, where she spoke about uh, the, you know, the importance of empathy and how we can apply it in our life as well. Um, now... You know, just you know, Zakir, just taking it from there, um, is empathy. The feeling of empathy is something you can develop, and she shared a few tips on mm, how we can develop it. And you know, currently the world is in need of empathy. Yeah. It's it, because there's so much division, mm. conflict, and inequality mm. that adapting uh, empathy within your daily lives, within yourselves. It's a great way to bridge those gaps, bridge those division and conflict and become a more peaceful and um, a better society as a mm. whole, which is better for ourselves, yeah. our future generations. Mm. Um, and, you know, when you see that these um, uh, the world comes together to mm. f- uh, fight the division or to uh, tackle some of the problems, uh, we work better together than each individual um, government or each individual country and we, the examples have been there's so many examples in the past that when countries have come together to um, let's say uh, promote of um, uh, about sustainable living or, or wildlife or certain matters or the co2 or just these gases or and you know when they have a solution together and show empathy towards the countries that are facing these problems mm-hmm. we 
have a collective opinion and we work towards it um, in a more uh, simplified way and listen to the opinion of others and work from there, um, the problems are solved. We yes. see that in history. Definitely. And, um, and empathy also helps us understand and connect with others on a deeper level, yeah. allowing us to appreciate and value diversity, which is very important. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. That's uh, so true. Um, the Promised Messiah, peace, um, uh, peace be upon him, also wrote about his feelings for the mankind. And he said that the principle to which we adhere is that we have kindness at heart for the whole of mankind. If anyone sees the house of a Hindu neighbor or on fire and does not come forward to help extinguish the fire, most truly I declare that he does not belong to me. If anyone of my followers have seen someone attempting to murder a Christian does not endeavor to save him, I most truly declare that he does not belong to us. And this was a quote of the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community, that he was referring and he was saying that as Ahmadi Muslims, if you do not care about others, you do not belong to the community of the Promised Messiah. Now, Overall, the teachings of Islam offer a great framework of understanding and practicing empathy, highlighting the importance of kindness and compassion and consideration for others. We can all play a part in building a kinder and more compassionate world, but therefore we need to be a part of it. Um, I would like to thank all the producers for today, um, Mujiba, Kamal, Moili and Hania Javed and also uh, the person behind the tech, um, Akib, and thank you very much for everyone listening.